book of Isaiah. We're going to deal with a few things today by the direction of the Lord. And I want you to look at these verses in Isaiah chapter 26. And as we read them, uh, it will begin to open up then what the Spirit of God wants to do in our midst. I want to start looking at verse 12. Isaiah chapter 26, verse 12. Wave at me when you found it. Throw your Bible up in the air. Get, get serious about the Word. You don't live in a time where you can afford not to be serious about the Word of the living God. The only thing that's holding this planet in orbit is the fact that we still have a covenant. So now let's look at what the Lord is saying here because these are familiar verses, yes. And we've just come out of a holiday season. We're just a little bit into the new year, the first quarter of the new year now. And uh, so many times we have cards and Christmas cards and about all we know about Isaiah 9 is verse 6 and we put it on a Christmas card. His name should be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. But this is absolutely a dynamic kingdom announcement. This is an announcement, glory to God, from the heaven of the heavens that he is, it's the advent. It is the entrance of a new day. It is the shifting of the eternity of the eternities of who's in control of the worlds. Adam gave it away. God sent his son and will ultimately plant a seed and buy it all back. So here he says, in the midst of judgment, there is the promise and the certainty of the Lord's deliverance, and there shall, there shall be no gloom for her who was in anguish. Don't you love the deliverance here? Amen. Don't you love the note of saying, it doesn't matter what you're dealing with. We're about to read about a dark time, and God's about to shine a light right in the middle of the dark time. Yeah. And here's what he says. In the former time, the Lord brought into contempt the land of Zebulun, the land of Naphtali, and in the latter time, he'll make it glorious. Say, in the latter time. In the time. I'm telling you, I am on the precipice of glory. I don't know about you, but I plan to be right in the middle of the glory storm. Amen. And by the way of the Sea of Galilee and the land beyond Jordan, Galilee of the nations, the people who walked in darkness have seen. Now, I want you to underline that phrase. They have seen a great light. I want you to underline that phrase, and you'll understand why in just a moment. They have seen a great light. For those who dwelt in the land of intense darkness and the shadow of death upon them, the people afraid of death, upon them, Upon them. Yeah, hallelujah. Upon them. Yeah. I'll tell you what, I'm about to I'm about to let a hand grenade loose in here and blow this stink off of you guys. Yeah. Upon the people sitting in darkness. Yeah. The people afraid of death. Yeah. The people that the world is saying you can't do nothing about this. You're the answer yeah. upon you, the ones right in the middle of intense darkness. Yeah. God is spotlighting you right now. Yeah. Yeah. Glory to God. Yeah. 
There's no time to be mediocre or tired. You, O oh Lord, have multiplied the nation. This is a time of increase Amen. and a great time of increase of joy. Yes. This is verse 3. Now, follow me. Stay with me. Y'all don't be slow either. I'm, I'm, I'm a little punchy today. <laughs> I'm just warning you. <laughs> I'm not normally like this, you know, but it's like Smith Wigglesworth said that time that lady had a big tumor like a basketball, you know. He balled up his fist under the anointing and hit her in the belly. Wham, man, she hit the floor and boom, the tumor disappeared. No dress went away. It, went, boom, it just went down like he had deflated the balloon. They said, what'd you hit that woman for? He said, what woman? He said, that woman, you punched her in the belly. He said, oh, I was swinging at the devil. I can't help it if she got in the way. Glory to, Glory to God. You, O oh Lord, have multiplied the nation and increased their joy. Yes. They rejoiced before you yes. like the joy of people that have received a great harvest. Yes. As men rejoice when they win a battle and take the spoils home. Yes. Woo! Glory to God. That's who we are. I said, that's who we are. That's who I am. I'm not the people in intense darkness. I'm the answer for it. I'm intense, but not for the dark. Glory be to God. For the yoke, this is what I want you to see, the yoke of God's people's burden and the staff for goading their shoulders, the rod of their oppressor. You've broken. Yes, sir. Glory be to God. What are you doing oppressed? His rod's broken off of your life. Nobody's supposed to be ruling your life but one name. Woo. Now he gives some examples here, and in this case, he uses the example of Gideon. Now I'm going to mention four things here. And the reason I am is because I'm just going to kind of skim the surface of what Isaiah says because I want you to get the sum total of what a verse means that you've heard all your life, but maybe you haven't connected as you should, where he says the yoke shall be destroyed because of the anointing. I want you to get real clear about this, that the yoke, the yoke, you see this? The yoke of God's covenant people's burden and the staff or the rod goading their shoulders is poking on them, making them do what the enemy wants. He's saying the rod of their oppressor is broken. Now we're going to find out that it's destroyed because of an anointing. And it's the same anointing that's been at work in the covenant since day one. Hallelujah. Here he says one example. This is one of four. One example is Gideon and Midian. Now, because of where we're headed this morning, uh, each of these I'm not going to go into detail about. Has anybody ever heard of Gideon? Yes, sir. Judges chapter 6, yes, how that they planted. They were in, the Israel was in caves and strongholds and dens, 
and the enemy had pushed them out of the rightful place of prosperity in their own city, and they're living in a cave. And they're planting and in fear, and at harvest time, Midian just waits until they do all the work, and come harvest time, they swoop in on camels and horseback and all kind of things like grasshoppers and steal the harvest. They let God's people do all the work, and when it's time for God's people's harvest to come, the enemy comes in and snaps up the harvest, didn't do any of the work. And God raised up a young man, youngest member of a very poor family, the poorest family of the smallest tribe of the most despised nation. And an angel appeared to him and said, I'm going to make you in the anointing equal to the entire Midianite army. You're going to face this army as one man, meaning as one man fights against one man, my anointing makes you equal to the task. Glory be to God. That's what you need to understand about the anointing factor. The anointing is God with you, but God's got to find someone. I said God has to find someone. See, even to save a nation, he said to Ezekiel, I look over the whole earth. Now, right now, you need to know this. I mean, you literally need to get down in your heart the understanding that the eyes of the Lord right now, this minute, are running to and fro over the whole earth trying to find some folks that will be strong in this hour. And the ones that will be, the ones that will stand up, the ones that will not sit back and just act like church is normal, but the ones that will say, by God, i got a covenant, and it's not going this way. God will show himself strong on their behalf. I woke up with this phrase, and I think it's William Carey that coined it, and it just kept coming up in me today when I was praying. And it was this phrase, attempt great things for God, expect great things from God. Can you say that out loud? Attempt great things for God, expect great things from God. Say it again, attempt great things for God. Say it again, I will attempt great things for God. Now is that just lip service? Or do you actually plan to do more than come to church and go home? I'm going to attempt great things for God. And I'm going to expect great things from God. Hallelujah. Glory to God. For God is good. His mercy endures forever. I expect a miracle. Glory be to God. Glory be to God. Now look at verse 5 here. And this is kind of where we are. Every tramping warrior's war boots and all his armor in the battle tumult, every garment rolled in blood shall be burned as fuel for the fire. Now, Now listen, it says in the King James, I like the way it says it, and this is what's going on in our world today. In the King James, it says, every battle of the warriors with confused noise. There's so many, in the battle, there's bombs and mortars and rocket grenades and choppers and, and, and napalm and, and jets. And yeah, and people are screaming at the top of their load. And they're, and, they're, and they're having to give hand signals and they're screaming to one another because they're trying to disrupt communication. And stuff's blowing up all around you. 
And when stuff's blowing up all around you and there's a lot of confused noise, It's easy to lose your orientation. That's right. That's true. That is true. And God is saying, I want you to understand what's going on here. Right in the middle of intense darkness, right in the middle of all the confusion, right in the middle of nation rising against nation, kingdom against kingdom, the beginning of sorrows, pandemics and pestilences and plagues and earthquakes and tsunamis and death on every side unto us. Oh, glory be to God. Unto us. Look at this. A child is born. Unto us. Glory be to God. A son is given. And the government shall not be on Trump's back. And the government shall not be the inflation caused by Biden. And the government. Come on now. And the government shall be on his shoulder. And his name. Say the government is on his name. I have the name. I've been named with the name of the king of all kings. I've been named with the name of the kingdom of three worlds. He's Lord of three worlds. And greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. No weapon formed against me is ever going to prosper. What in the world would I ever come to the assembly depressed about? Man, this ought to be the strong tower of the name where the righteous run here. They run in there. I'm safe in there. If I can get in there, I'm safe. Woo! Glory be to God. Say his name. I love what it says. An everlasting father doesn't mean he just lives forever. It means the everlasting father means he is the architect, the father of eternity or eternities. So in other words, he's the father of all spirits. And so he already, when you were born, established your eternal destiny. That's settled. The back of your destiny is on that name. Woo, glory be to God. And by verse 7, he says of the increase. We're in a day of increase like never before. Of the increase of his government and of his peace, there shall be no end. Now I want to show you two sets of verses <clears throat> Now, that's not the only verses I'm talking about in this concept right here, what we're talking about here. I want you to see here that he's promised he's going to break the rod of the oppressor and he's going to do it like he did with Gideon in the day of Midian. Amen. Now, I would encourage you to go back to Judges 6 and 7 and read that story. We don't have time. But he parallels that also with another great deliverance. And we're going to see it, and we'll just go to the King James. That'll be good enough. Let's go to King James in chapter 10 now. The next chapter over, chapter 10, verse 26. I want you to see something here. It's very important. And the Lord of hosts, who is the Lord of hosts? Lord God of the Sabaoth, the Lord God of the angel armies. Now, when you look at the study of Gideon, it's very clear that angels were involved. And a covenant name, because Gideon said, hey, hey, wait, wait here, let me go in the house. And he brought him an offering and the angel touched that offering. Fire came up out of the rock, consumed the offering, and the angel went up in the smoke. Yeah. 
And the Lord visited him at night and told him to give two offerings in the same service. Imagine that. You do need to realize one of the reasons God wants you to get on the giving side of life is it breaks the back of the spirit of poverty on your life. Sometimes he'll have you give more than one offering in a meeting because he's trying to get you out of that limited thinking. And he wants, and that's what happened with Gideon. He told him in a night, the Lord visited, the Lord did now. Boy, I'm real tempted to go there, but I'm not tempted, but I, I, I have a desire to go there, but I'm not going to. Thing is, if we went back and read it, <clears throat> we would see that that night after the angel, after he sowed one offering and the angel went up in the smoke, that night the Lord visited Gideon. The Lord did. Somebody say, the Lord did. And the Lord said to Gideon, take a second bullock. A second, the Lord initiated him giving two offerings. The Lord did it because he's trying to break the back. See, the best breaks the curse. He's trying to break the back of this thing, holding him in bondage. And he told him to go to the groves of Baal where they had been offering all their other self, you know, sacrifices for their own pleasure. He said, cut the trees down of the idols you've been serving and use it for the fire. Then take the second bullock, a second, and burn it on top of the wood you cut down off of Baal's altar. Glory to God. And you'll start destroying, jerking out by the roots that spirit of poverty that's come on you because you've been serving other gods. And you give an offering to your God that'll change your focus. And then the Lord visited him and ultimately... After 32,000 people, you understand, Gideon had an army, and the Lord said, no, it's too many. You'll say you did it. That's right. So he said, tell everybody's afraid, go home. That's what the body of Christ is right now. Everybody's afraid, go home. Right. 22,000 people left. Yes. Come on now. Oh, Lord then he took 10,000 of them down to the river to watch how they drank. Yes. Yes, sir. Yes. <laughs> That's exactly what God's doing for his people right now. When the, when the Spirit of God is flowing in a river and in, in a meeting, he's watching how you drink. That's yes, <laughs> exactly what he's doing. 9,700 of them were so concerned about their self, all consumed about their own thirst, that they, that they put their face down in the water and started. But 300 of them kept their eyes on the horizon with one hand on their sword and brought the water to their lips. Yes, sir. And that 300, God said, those are the ones. Yes, sir. Come on. And it took 300 men, glory be to God, destroyed the entire Midianite army yes. and revealed himself, the sword of the Lord and the sword of Gideon, and revealed himself, and this is going to be critically important, as Jehovah Shalom, yes. the Lord God, our peace. So peace in the absence of conflict, peace is utterly annihilating the enemy and the reset of how things ought to be in the kingdom. God's making peace in your life. <laughs> I said God wants to make peace in your life, which means wiping out the things you're at war with and producing what he died to provide. Glory to God. Woo, glory be to God. Oh, glory be to God. I said, oh, glory be to God. <clears throat> so we see this as the first example of the anointing. Now we're about to see that the Lord God of the angel armies, the angels were involved with Gideon. Now he's about to show us two other things that he's going to get involved with. 
The Lord of hosts shall stir up a scourge for him according to the slaughter of Midian at the rock of Oreb. Do you see Midian again? So he brings up Gideon and Midian a second time. And then he says, and, say and. That means here's another time the anointing of the covenant went into operation. As his rod was upon the sea, so shall he lift it up after the manner of Egypt. Anybody ever heard about the Red Sea? Anybody ever heard about the Exodus? So God is saying that my anointing, my son, when he comes and sets up his kingdom, is going to carry out the same kind of delivering anointing that he manifested through Gideon, that he manifested in Egypt when they all came out, And then he says, and it shall come to pass in that day that his burden. Now the his here is what they were dealing with currently, the Assyrians. The Assyrian army was coming against them. We'll find out angels get involved with that too. In fact, one night, one angel killed 185,000 of them. I'm talking about overnight deliverance. I'm talking about overnight miracles. The anointing. Somebody say the anointing. Now, this is the anointing we're talking about, the same power used with Gideon, the same power used when they had an exodus out of Egypt, the same power used when that angel went and just wiped the Assyrian army out. That's the anointing you carry. I said, that's the anointing you carry. That's the help you have. It wants to do the same thing for you to break the burden on your shoulder, to destroy every yoke in your life, to push the enemy back no matter what the odds are. It shall come to pass in that day that his burden, this is the Assyrian, shall be taken away from off your shoulder, his yoke. Glory be to God from off your neck for the yoke shall be destroyed. Say destroyed. destroyed. Say it again shall be destroyed because of the anointing, annihilated, disintegrated, can't put it back together, can't find it again, like dust ground to powder, blown away by the wind, no trace of it left. Now let's look at another verse. Isaiah 14, let's start in verse 24. We'll just stay in the King James. I want you to see this now. Because now we've seen... Three examples of what the Lord said, he was, how, what the anointing will do. Gideon with Midian and the anointing on God's people by covenant at the Red Sea delivering them from Egypt. And then now the Assyrian army that came against them totally annihilating the Assyrian. And look at this. Look at this now. This is huge. The Lord of hosts has sworn this same God, the God of the angel armies, the same covenant God that was Gideon's God, that was Moses and Israel's God, huh? that was the, the God that day that delivered them from the Assyrian. Are you following me at all? Yes, sir. The Lord of hosts has sworn, saying, Surely as I have thought, it shall come to pass. As I have purposed, so shall it stand. Now let me back up. I want to get over there with you and make sure that I get the... These three verses, yeah, that's exactly what I want. So, so look at this now. The Lord of hosts, look at this. God swore this. 
This is an oath. It's an oath. God Almighty, a blood-sworn oath. As I have thought, he's about to reveal to you what he thinks about your enemy. As I have purposed, he's about to reveal to you what he has purposed to do to your enemy. And he's about to tell you, my will will never change, it'll stand forever. Glory be to God. See the colon there? Look at the next verse. That I will break the Assyrian in my land and under my and upon my mountains, I will tread him underfoot. And his yoke will come off of him. His burden will come off of their shoulders. This is the purpose. Oh, come on now. This is the purpose. Say it. Say it again. Say it one more time. That is purposed. Where? No, y'all didn't get that yet. Did you get it? He is saying, Isaiah 10, 27 belongs to you. He is saying, what I did with Gideon over Midian in Israel, what I did with Moses and my people over Pharaoh, what I did with the Assyrians and Israel here, this is my ultimate purpose of my arms stretched for all of my children over the whole earth. I have thought it. I will do it. I'm going to break the back of your enemy and put him under my foot. How many of you know he doesn't change? Somebody say he does not change. So his purpose doesn't change. Now, if you could toggle back and forth, just look at this because we're going to come right back and read this one more time. We've got another verse to read, but before we go to that, look at what it says here. 1 John 3, 8. How many of you know that Hebrews 13, 8 says Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever? Anybody know what 1 John 3, 8 says? Look at the last half of the verse. Well, no, let's just read all of it. I'm just not going to rush through this. You need to understand, he that committed sins of the devil. So whatever sin has caused, the law of sin and death, that means death is of the devil. But he doesn't have the power of it. Death didn't come from the devil. Death came from man. But here it says, he that committed sin is of the devil, for the devil sinneth from the beginning. Say from the beginning. So whatever any sin in your life caused in your life from the beginning, God has a purpose. To go all the way back to the beginning. No matter what it was that opened the door to what the devil did to you, God is going to go back and slam that door in his face. Are you listening to me? God is about to slam the door. You, you need to get rid of the shame and the guilt and the look what I did and I'm dealing with us because of what I did and realize that you're the righteousness of God in Christ. God's already done something about the sin question. Amen. For this purpose, 
Come on now. For this purpose was the Son of God manifested. Manifested. A manifested purpose. Manifested purpose. I want him to manifest his purpose in my life. I want God's purpose to be manifested in my life. And if I'm going to get God's purpose manifested in my life, then the works of the devil have to get off of my life. Because he came with a purpose to destroy the works of the evil one. He wants his manifested purpose in my life. That means whatever the devil's put on you, got to come off. It's got to come off. If his purpose for your life's going to be done, you got to quit submitting to that yoke. Because God didn't plan for you to be under it for any length of time. So go back with me to Isaiah 14, 26. Look what it says. Somebody say, this is the purpose. <clears throat> that is purpose. On the whole earth. Say, this is the purpose. That is purpose. Upon the whole earth. And this is the hand. That is stretched out. On all nations. Glory be to God. What purpose is that? That he would destroy the works of the evil one. I said that he would destroy. Are you listening now? And we got one more verse to look at. Look at verse 27. For the Lord God of the angel armies has purposed that over the whole earth he's going to stretch his hand and break the back of the enemy, get it off of his people and put it on a foot in every nation. So his hand is stretched out. Who's going to disannul it, stop it, or turn it back? You tell me if God be for you, who can be against you? It's about time for you to submit yourself to the purpose of God. Are you following me now? The Lord told me to, to, to get on to some things this morning, and he's taken us there. So here's what I want you to see now. We're going to just stay right on this track. Are you with me? Isaiah 58. I want you to look at verse 6. Isaiah 58, 6. <clears throat> he says here, and I want everybody to see it on the big screen, but you need to have your Bible follow on the screen because they're seeing it online on the screen and in your Bible. You need to see this. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Now, in the first five verses, he talks about mechanical fasting, acting like you have a humility you don't, and fasting is a legalistic activity, trying to get God to move. Yes. And he said, and that's, the wrong, that's the wrong purpose. He said, here's the fast I have chosen. Yes, Say, I have chosen. I have. Say, this is, this is what God has chosen. We're about to read what God has chosen. God has chosen, say God has chosen to loose the bands of wickedness. God has chosen to undo the heavy burdens. God has chosen to let the oppressed go free. God has chosen to break every yoke. Thank you, Lord Jesus. 
is his purpose. Stretched out over all the nations. And he's the everlasting father. And he cannot change. This will not change. He purposes to manifest absolute deliverance for you. Now, we're going to go back to Isaiah 10 and we're going to see the condition of the church. This is what God is trying to get across to us. Isaiah chapter 10, verse 14. So God is telling Israel, I want to deliver you. Are you hearing me? God is telling Israel, I want to deliver you. It's my desire to deliver you. Just like with Gideon, just like in Egypt, I want to break the Assyrian. In fact, because I don't change and I love my people and I have a blood covenant with them forever and ever and ever, it's an everlasting covenant, I'm going to stretch out my hand to do this for anybody that will cry out to me forever. But here's the problem. He says the king of Assyria came and he found all the people's wealth, their possessions, and he found them like a hen sitting on eggs. And he said, as one gathers eggs that are left, they've left them uncovered. Or even if they were sitting on them, the king of Assyria was so proud and pompous like it all belonged to him that he said, I've gathered all the earth. It's mine. Well, that's the way the spirit of Antichrist is. And he's saying, I'm going to reach right under your tail feathers while you're sitting on the nest and take all your eggs. And he said, here's the problem. You're letting me. None even move the wing or open the mouth or peep. Did you hear what I said? The Lord is saying, here is my problem. My problem is I want to do this for my covenant people, but my covenant people will not resist my enemy. The enemy's just taking their stuff and they don't even move their wing or chirp or peep. They just let him. I'll never forget when I was preaching one time and I got along these lines and the anointing dropped in the room. Already you can see the Holy Ghost, at least for a handful of folk, got so excited they already stood up. This will stand you up now. This will make you pay attention. This will knock that, slap that Sunday morning fog off of you. Glory to God. Hilton Sutton, I'll never forget it. He got up after I preached this once along these lines, and uh, he was high church, had a big, deep voice. And, and uh, he'd wear his collar backward if you'd let him. You know, he, he studied uh, like he would, uh, most people don't know this, but he actually, in his training, uh, ministerial training, uh, he was a music major. And so he not only oversaw and conducted and, and wrote music and other things, but he was operatic. In his early days, he'd sing almost opera. And so later on, I didn't hear him ever sing very much, but I know he did that early on, and he still had that theatrical, deep, preaching, operatic, you know, flair about him. <laughs> and I was preaching one day, and he lost all that dignity. I'm, I think it just popped that collar and kicked it out, you know. He goes, whoa, glory to God, young man. That'll make, a, that'll make you feel like a 500-pound canary. Walking in the back alley saying, here, kitty, 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 kitty. 
I know who's in me, the greater one. I know who's in me, the Lord of glory. I'm telling you, when you find out who's living on the inside of you, it'll make you feel like a 500-pound canary. Walking in the back alley saying, here, kitty, 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 kitty. But when he said that, I got a flashback to my early days when I was a kid watching Looney Tunes and all that. And I remember Sylvester and Tweety. And I'll never forget when Sylvester went in there to deal with the mouse and it was a kangaroo. Anybody remember that one? <laughs> he went in there to tackle that mouse and he got blew, man. He blew back out the front door. That kangaroo just went pop. I tell you what. I love what John Osteen said one time when he was talking about a big devil going down the street, you know, and he's training all the little devils. And he'd say, and he'd run along and he'd say, he'd say to the little devil, he said, go in that house. He said, he'd just tear, tear, tear him up, get, get him in strife and make him argue. And he'd go down to the little devil, go in that house, put sickness on him, put sickness on him. And all these little demons are running along and they just, he's practicing, you know, teaching them. And they'd start jumping up and down and they got all excited and said, I want to go in that house, I want to go in that house, I want to go in that house. He said, no, thou shalt not go in that house. <laughs> But I want to go in that house. I want to go in that house. They say, you shall not go in that house. Why? We want to go in that house. We want to mess up things in that house. He said, thou shalt not go in that house. How come? Because I myself, when I was a little devil, I went in that house. <laughs> I went in that house once and he said, <laughs> I got beat about the head and shoulders and stabbed with a sword that was left for dead and got kicked out the front door. They used the name blood and the sword on me. Thou shalt not go in that house. And that's exactly what you want the devil to say about your house. They break the yoke in that house. They break every yoke in that house. They got a name and they know how to use it. Thou shalt not go into that house. coming in my house. I said, they're not coming in my house. They're not coming in my mind. They're not coming in my flesh. They're not coming in my kids. They're not coming in my house. Woo, give the Lord a shout. Hey, glory to God, I'm moving my wings. I'm chirping. Woo, glory to God. I don't know if he meant cook like a chicken or what. I don't know if he meant whistle like a whippoorwill or what. A bobwhite or what else. All I know is, you're going to get my eggs. I'm chirping. I'm moving my wing. I'm just going to let the devil reach in my house under my tail feathers and jerk myself and say nothing. No, sir. Glory be to God. Glory be to God. Glory be to God. Be seated for a second. I must, I must have speaks with you a little bit more. <laughs> it's about time do you realize that you got to resist the devil, then he'll flee. God needs a covenant partner. God needs a covenant partner. <laughs> Somebody named with that name that'll rise up and use it. Woo! Glory to God. Woo! Glory. Amen. Amen. He's looking for a covenant partner. 
Look at this in James 5. Yeah. yeah. Now, y'all know this about me, but when folks don't come to church, I have church all by myself. So. <laughs> I, think a good, a good, I think a good preacher that can have church all by himself can teach other folks to have church all by themselves. And then when they get together, they can have church. But when folks do come to church and they're not really there, I just go on and have it by myself. Oh, I know you showed up. About halfway through the message, but you showed up. <laughs> now we get to preaching. <laughs> Glory be to God. I feel that same anointing, Brother Contrell, that we had one day when I talked about you better sit up and pay attention, you know, and you started singing. Glory to God. If you want to be somebody, you want to go somewhere, wake up and pay attention. Glory to God. <laughs> I'm chirping. I don't know about you, but I'm laughing right in the face of the stinking devil. Thou shalt not go in that house. <clears throat> James 5. Now listen to what it says. Go to, verse 1, go to now, you rich men. Weep and howl for your miseries that shall come upon you. Your riches are corrupted, your garments are moth-eaten, your gold and silver is cankered, and the rest of them shall be a witness against you. You shall eat your flesh as it were fire. You've heaped up treasure together. Say it. I'm telling you, the transfer has begun. I'm telling you, you shall see seven, no less than seven, unusual supernatural harvests if you'll believe God this year. Things are turning, complete course reversals. Inheritance are coming. Things are turning around. Even if you did it to your own dumb self, if you'll just repent, God's purpose is to make it like it never happened. God's purpose is to free the oppressed and remove every yoke. I said every yoke. But he needs you to move and chirp and peep. And we're about to read that right here. There's two cries. He says here, Behold the hire, <coughs> excuse me, of the laborers, which have reaped down your fields, which is of you kept back by fraud. Now look at this. Two cries. Crieth. And the cries of them which are, have reaped. They've entered into the Lord God of the angel armies, his ears. So he is saying, God's people are crying out, God, how long is it going to be? How long must I wait? How long till everything I need comes into my hands? How long is it going to be till I get this harvest? Why am I, what, what, what's taking so long? And what belongs to you is out there crying because it's in the wrong hands looking for you. Your property, the equipment, your health, the manifestation. 
is looking for you, is crying out, I belong to Curtis. I'm in the wrong hands. I need to get to Curtis. And Curtis is saying, how long, God? So I'm crying out for it, and it's crying out for me. And it's entered in, these cries have entered into the ears of the Lord God of the angel armies. And he's talking about all of the people that are keeping it back and putting it in their own reservoirs for their own self by fraud. He is saying, you lived in pleasure on the earth and been wanton. You've nourished your own hearts as in a day of slaughter. You've condemned and killed the just. And here's the key phrase. Stay with me now. I'm in verse 6 already. He doth not resist you. You see what's going on? People aren't resisting the enemy. <clears throat> They're calling normal what God calls a curse, and God can't do anything about it because he's got a covenant partner and he responds by faith and he's bound to him by blood. You've got to resist the devil. If you will, he'll flee. <clears throat> because you and God, let's go back to multiplication tables. Huh? Anything, any number, one, ten, hundred, hundred thousand, a million times zero is what? What is it times one? Itself. So God times zero is, but God times one is, so when that anointing came on Gideon, it made him equal to the whole Midianite army. He didn't need more than 300. He didn't even need 300. Not when that anointing came. <clears throat> he only did the 300 because God likes working with men. But you need to understand, God plus you equal God. God times you equals God. So quit lifting up that face plate and letting the devil know who's inside that armor because he doesn't know any difference. Not when you're using that name. Not when you're using that blood. Not when you're using those weapons. He is defeated by the very one that lives on the inside of you. You are the temple. It's the same anointing that destroyed Midian. It's the same anointing that destroyed Pharaoh in Egypt. It's the same anointing that destroyed the Assyrians. It's the same anointing that destroyed all of hell and took the keys. It's the same anointing stretched out to all the nations. And it's the purpose on all the earth. He intends to break every yoke, remove every burden, let the oppressed go free, breaking every enslaving yoke. And this is his purpose on the whole earth. Glory be to God. Glory be to God. <clears throat> now the Lord said to me over the years, he said, let me just go back to something he said to me in Michigan a few years ago. In the afternoon, I was getting ready. We were in a three-day meeting in Michigan. And I laid across the bed and I was praying in the spirit. And the Lord said to me in that meeting in Michigan, he said, in every set of meetings, he said, I want you, and I have to remind myself of this occasionally because the meeting can take a direction that's not predominantly on healing. Yeah. 
So every once in a while I have to remind myself of this. He reminded me of this this morning. He said, in any set of meetings you do, well, if I go in to a meeting and I only do a Sunday morning, then he would want me to do it in that meeting. Does that make sense? Because you've got one meeting. If you've got, say, a three-day meeting, then at least one of those meetings or one of those nights, he would want you to do this. That's what he, that's what he was saying to me. <clears throat> and he was saying to me, at least in one of those meetings, <clears throat> excuse me, he said, I want you to pray for the sick. He said, it's the highest anointing I've put on your life in ministry. I've since come to know that the highest anointing period in the office of prophets is anointing a restoration. Well, healing's included in that anointing. Now, so uh, he brought that up to me years ago, and I've attempted to, to be faithful to do that because it's not just by faith that we pray, although we saw great miracles, according to Mark 16, believers lay hands on the sick and they'll recover. And I thank God for that, and that's the way we started. And the Lord Jesus, when he visited me, told me to start that way. And he said, if you'll be faithful from time to time, I'll visit you and put you in other phases of your ministry. And he's done that, both with the gifts of healings and the working of miracles, and then, of course, the visitation with no more curse. And so now, all over the world, Demons screaming and leaving, blind eyes opening, deaf ears opening, steel rods disappearing, body parts being restored. He's, he's proven he's alive to the north, south, east, and west. I'm still working on this branch right here. I, I, I mean, we've had a lot of creative miracles here, more than people even remember. They have short memories. But we don't have near the consistent manifestation here that we do in other meetings around the world. And the reason is familiarity. That's why. And the Lord brought this up to me this morning. And he said to me this morning, he said, I want you to minister on healing this morning. He said, because, and, and I'm, I'm partly responsible, and I'll, I'll take ownership of my part now. He said, You've preached it all these years, but because you have a revelation of it and you preach it here and there along, you expect that the people will pick it up and do it and, and deem it as important as you do. But he said, the body, as far as I'm concerned, is sick. Thank you for your enthusiasm. And he said, I want them well. He said to me, they have to be healthy. They have to be energetic. They have to be whole to do what I've assigned them to do in the earth. Now, I'm not only going to do it on Sunday morning. Sunday morning, a Sunday morning, we're going to follow the flow as need be. But I'm looking for ways to systematically start getting people's faith built. I'm talking about the spirit of faith concerning the covenant of healing. Now, at large, the body of Christ is sick. It's one of the reasons that God put the anointing on Oral Roberts he did, is he had that vision after three days of fasting, and he saw all walks of life and people of different, you know, like a river. Some of them had top hats, some of them had native dress on, some of them, and they were from all nations of the earth. And he heard them crying out to God as he saw this river go in front of him, and the Lord said, everyone on the planet is sick in some way, and I want you to carry my healing power to your generation. 
There's an anointing to heal in the room today. But it's time, number one, that we recognize sickness is demonic. It is God's enemy. And he expects us to start resisting it. Did you hear what I said? To stop putting up with it. Letting it linger on and just hang around. No, sir. By his stripes ye were healed. Glory be to God. I had this phrase come up in me last fall, and I don't quite know how to do it, but you know how we did the 90 days of prayer? I've had something coming up in me, and we've got to get after it here, and I don't know how he wants to do it, but I keep hearing this phrase, 100 days of healing. And I really believe with all of my heart, when he shows us exactly how to carry it out, that uh, we're going to get it where people can get a hold of it, especially if they're battling a, a death-dealing disease and lay there and have 100 days of just glory be to God. Glory be to God. I have something else in my heart too, but I won't get into that today. But I, I believe he wants some DVDs and some CDs about the greatest miracles we've seen around the world. He wants people to know what God has done. And, and, and we've got to get them recorded and we've got to get them videoed. There's glory to God. He wants you to have it today. It's time for you to be healed. Let me show you something here. Go with me to Isaiah chapter 26. Man, I can sense the anointing on my shoulder. It's like somebody dropped a mantle on my shoulder just now. I just preached to the point where we had ears to hear so that you could understand it's God's will to break all this off of you. So now that your faith and your awareness is out, now you can hear what he's saying. I want you healed. Glory be to God. And he doesn't just want you healed in one area. He wants you healed in every area. That's, that's the idea of no more curse. Spirit and soul and body. Did you know the healing power can extend to your finances? It can extend to your favor in social relationships. It can extend into every area of your life. And it should. And he wants you healed. Glory be to God. My God, the anointing just moved in here. I mean, it's been in here, but oh my goodness, you feel it it's sitting on you now? If you just know how, let me say this. Before we go to Isaiah 26, I'm going to hit a scripture on the way there. In 1 Corinthians chapter 2, I want to show you something. In 1 Corinthians chapter 2, the Apostle Paul said in verse 4 and 5, And my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power. Now look at this. That your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Somebody say faith in the power. Now how many of you believe God has power? How many of you believe that inside the spectrum of God's power is healing power? Yes. Glory to God. Well, we know that, and it's transferable. How many of you would say it's transferable? Yes. By the law of contact and transmission, it's transferable. According to Matthew 10, he called his disciples together and gave them power. 
Let's talk about that briefly, and we'll come back to 1 Corinthians 2. Look at Matthew 10, 1. See what it says up here. It says in Matthew chapter 10, verse 1, And when he had called unto him his twelve disciples, he gave them... Whoa, whoa. What? Say that three times. Power against. Can you see resisting? Against unclean spirits. To cast them out and to heal. Say power to heal. Not only, not only healing physical bodies, but power against demons that cause infirmity. Spirits of infirmity. Or physical abnormalities. Power against both. Power to heal all manner of sickness. All manner of disease. I wonder if COVID's included in that. Say power to heal. heal. All right, now go back to 1 Corinthians 2.5. Notice what it says. That your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the what? The power of God. So one of the things inside the power of God is the power to heal. Do you see that? And it's transferable. Jesus isn't the only one that has it. He gave it to his disciples. Hallelujah. Glory be to God. Power to heal. Say this out loud. There is power in this room right now to heal me of every sickness and every disease right now in the name of Jesus. I receive it. I receive that power right now. Glory to God, I receive that power right now. Glory to God. Say, because of this power, I will not stay weak. I will not stay sick in any area of my life. Because of this power, my mind and memory will be whole. Every system in my body will work in order. My joints will be whole. My blood will be whole. My organs will function. There'll be nothing dead in my body that can stay dead. This power makes it live. Glory to God. Shout this out. Nerve endings live now. Blood cells live now. Glory be to God. Glory be to God. Glory be to God. Glory be to God. Say this, lungs work at maximum capacity. Now start talking to your body parts. Say liver, you work. Pancreas, you work. Spleen, you work. Intestines, you work now. Heart, you work in Jesus' name. Kidneys, you work and work now in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Glory be to God. Oh, glory be to God. Confess it. Say it. Eyes see now. Ears hear clearly now. In Jesus' name. Glory be to God. Woo! Woo! 
Say this out loud. Sickness and disease, sickness and disease is, God's is God's enemy. Therefore, Therefore it's, my it's my enemy. I resist it. I it, cannot it cannot stay in God's holy blood-bought temple. God's holy blood temple. Me. Can't stay in me. I'm blood-bought. <laughs> hey, 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 hey. Woo! it out with long life. He'll satisfy me and show me his salvation. Woo! Long life. I'm going to live a long time. I'm going to finish God's will. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Yeah, there you go. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Have it. Have it. It belongs to you right now. Have it. It belongs to you right now. Have it. Have it from the crown of your head to the, to the soles and the end of the toes of your recreated feet. Glory be to God. Have it. Have it. Have it. The maimed are being whole. Every body part goes to work. You're being healed right now from the crown of your head to the soles of your feet. Glory be to God. Glory be to God. I have it. I have it. I have it. I have it. I receive it. I have it. I'm full of power. I'm full of healing power. I'm full of healing power. Woo! Woo! Somebody shouted out, I believe that I receive now. Woo! Hey! Teeth are being healed. Your teeth aren't going to fall out of your head. Quit worrying about that. Glory be to God. Glory be to God. Glory be to God. I keep hearing the Lord say there's restoration in the room. For body parts that have been ravaged by sickness and disease that we just let stay around too long. This body's kind of like an engine. <clears throat> right now, and this has been the case a little bit, our home is this way. And we have a log home, and it didn't have porches all the way around it. So for reference to anybody that wants to build a long home, don't wait. Build a porch all the way around the thing, right from the front. Amen. Keep the water off of it. Keep the sun off of it. Yes, sir. Because what happens is, is they get wet, and then the sun hits it, and over a period of time, <clears throat> those logs deteriorate, especially at the bottom. You'll wind up having to replace some logs. Well, if you do the same thing with your car, what would happen with your car? You never change the oil. You never do any maintenance whatsoever. Stuff starts breaking down. Parts start breaking down. You need to understand this body's temporary, but we have a covenant that'll keep it strong and lean and whole till we get our job done. The purpose of it is getting the will of God done. Glory be to God. Glory be to God. Glory be to God. And I thank God for my covenant. How about you? Oh, I'm so glad I have a covenant. I can't tell you how many times I've been healed preaching on healing. 
People never knew I was battling symptoms. And I got under the anointing preaching on healing and got mine. Why? Because the power starts flowing. You can have what you say, and I'm saying that we have a covenant. I'm healed. So I have it. Glory be to God. Glory be to God. <laughs> the healer's in the house today. I said the healer's in the house today. The deliverer's in the house today. <clears throat> Can I ask you a question? Can I trust you to stay in this atmosphere now that you've received your healing? Now, now hear what I'm going to say about that. Now that you've received your healing, can I feed your faith to keep it? Just a little bit more. Doesn't have to take too much longer today, but I'd like to feed your faith a little bit to help you keep what you just got today. Woo! Somebody say, I'm healed and I know it. And I will keep it. I will walk in it. All the days of my life. Not from miracle to miracle. A life of divine health. Glory be to God. 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 Now be seated for just a second. I want, to, uh, I, I want to feed your faith now. A little bit more along these lines. There's, there's one point I want to make, and that is, we're talking about the power of God, the power to heal. It's here. It's transferable. You felt it come on you. It's working in you right now. You've received it. Hallelujah. Now let's go back to 1 Corinthians chapter 2. And also find Ephesians 1. I want to show you something. Put it together now. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, it says that your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Amen. Hallelujah. Faith in the power. Somebody say faith in the power. All right, now everything, I've said this before, but you know, because I've said it before, but it bears repeating, and a great example is Hebrews 12. You don't have to turn there, but Hebrews 12 says, we receiving an unshakable kingdom. I can take you many other scriptures, but that's a good example that everything in the kingdom must be received. It doesn't just automatically come on you. You have to receive it. Amen. He's already given it. That's what it says in Luke 12, 32. Fear not, little flock. It's your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Healing's already available. It's not on the giving end, it's on the receiving end. Healing always comes, it's just not always received. The scripture says at any time, Jesus taught this. He said, their eyes, and I'm a little ahead of myself, but I want to make this statement because I'm going to refer back to it. Jesus said, their eyes, they have closed. Their ears are dull of hearing. God didn't close their eyes, they did. Then he said, lest at any time they should open their eyes, see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their heart, and be converted, and I should heal them. See, there's a lot of people that are saved and going to heaven, but their soul isn't converted 
You got to have you got to have a power converter. You got to have a transformer. You got you got you understand. You, you got to see this because that's the key to that's the key to receiving it, and that's where I'm going with this. So I want you to stay with me on that idea. Their eyes they have closed, lest at any time say I can be healed at any time. Anyone can be healed at any time when they see it, when they open their eyes to see it. Now here in 1 Corinthians 2, he says that your faith should not stand in the wisdom of God, but in uh, wisdom of men, excuse me, but in the power of God. Faith in the power. Now say this, even power must be received. So the healing power is in the room. You experienced it already. That doesn't mean every one of you received it. Just because it's here. I know you did. See, see, that's the key right there. Who said you received it? And you received it. See, it's because you're in an atmosphere where you've been taught a little bit about reception. But by and large, the body of Christ at large does not know. They, they're waiting on God to do it. But the scripture is very clear about this. By his stripes, you were healed. You're not waiting on God to do anything. Power's on demand right now. It's here in the room. He's waiting on you to receive it. Hallelujah. Now, there's two things I want you to know about this, about the way it works in the kingdom. There are two important components to the miracle working power of God. In any meeting, because where two or three are gathered in his name, the I am is there. So it's just like flipping the switches, let the light in the room. Swepco brought the power here. Power's to the building. And we got to flip the switch if we're going to benefit from it. So number one, it's the degree of the healing anointing that is in operation or manifestation. Now that would be the anointing administered. Now I'm going to get to in a point. But that's number one. Yes, these two main components to the higher level of miracles, getting them in manifestation. Two main components. Number one, the degree of the healing anointing that is in operation or manifestation. Well, you see it went to greater manifestation when your faith rose. Today, it went into manifestation. Do you see that? Which you might say, it's the degree of the anointing administered. That'd be a good way to say it. So the number one component uh, to get higher levels of manifestation is number one, the degree of the anointing that is administered. Number two would be the degree of faith that is present and released to activate that power. So number one is the degree of the anointing that's in operation and manifestation. Number two is the degree of faith that's released while it's in operation to activate that power into, in, into the receptacle, if you will, or into the human. Now, I want you to see this in more than one place because I want you to see the dynamic relationship between your faith and the power of God's movement in your life, which is why Ephesians 1 is critically important. Ephesians 1, I want to look at Verse 19, because verse 17 and 18, he says the spirit of wisdom and revelation in him. 
that the eyes of our understanding being enlightened, that we might know the hope of his calling, the riches and glory of his inheritance in the saints, and, and I love verse 19, and, look now, what is the exceeding greatness of his power? You see those next two words? That to usward, which means toward us, who believe. So can you see that when you engage your faith, the power starts moving towards you? Can you see that? The power is available. It was already worked in Christ. The working of his mighty power was worked in Christ. Verse 20 tells us when he raised him from the dead. So from the moment he raised him from the dead by his stripes, you were healed. As far as God's concerned, your authority over sickness and disease was granted you when you got born again. Hey, you got a name. And no longer do you have to wait on God to heal you. You don't even have to be prayed for. I can command you to be healed, and if you'll receive it, you'll be healed that instant because we have authority over sickness now. In that name, glory to God. Woo! And if you believe and have faith in that name, that power starts coming towards you. Now, the Lord brought up something to me this morning, and he said, though you know it and know how it works, he said, here's why you're not seeing more even at home because you're assuming people are catching it as you're teaching along and they're not. He said, you're going to have to get specific and come right out, outright and say it so they get it. He told me there was a disconnect in people's minds between their faith believing for healing and this side over here where the gifts of healings and the working of miracles are in operation. And he, and he said to me, they don't know how to bridge the two. And he said, I want you to talk to him about that for a moment this morning on your way to to the ultimate foundation of all healing, which we'll get to in just a minute. But he wanted me to talk to you about this because too many people in our congregation, because of the nature of the gifting in my life, have, the Lord showed me at this local congregation anyway, and people partner with us because they see it in operation, lean too much on waiting on the gifts of healings or the working of miracles. <clears throat> so they're waiting to respond till that's an operation. And he said, what they don't get is they've got it backwards. Now that you see it's spiritual law that when you believe it activates the power, then you need to see what happened with the woman with the issue of blood. Now there are, there are 19, in the four gospels, there are 19 different accounts where an individual gave a testimony of healing. In those 19 individual accounts, now there's many times it says he healed them all and multitudes were healed and all that. I'm talking about through Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, like the woman with the issue of blood who had a, a personal testimony. There's 19 individual personal testimonies. In 12 of those cases, 12 out of the 19, Jesus refers to the individual's faith. Are you listening to me? Yes. Yes, Which means, actually, I have more to do with me being healed than he does. Yes. And we've got to destroy this sacred cow in people's minds. They don't realize what they're carrying to the altar and wondering what's the short, what's short-circuiting the system. And it's because too many people are trying their best, but they're just not on the it is finished side. And since they don't know how the system works, they're still trying to get God to do something he's already done. 
Now, I'm going to make a statement here. Our faith is not something we do to get God to move. It's a response to what God has already done. I'm fully persuaded sickness and disease is destroyed. By a stripes I was healed. Therefore, I believe. I receive my healing. It's on, it's on demand. He's already done it. He's already bound sickness in the heavens, so I bind it in the earth. Glory to God. <clears throat> now, the Lord wanted me to use the woman with the issue of blood because he said you've taught on it enough and it's familiar enough that people already know the story so they can readily connect. Jesus is walking down the street and you know good and well with all the people thronging him, there was somebody that touched him that was sick. I mean, we know there was. Had to be. But none of them got healed. So the question is, was the power present in him or not? Sure it was. Now this woman comes and said, and most of you know the story, if I can just but touch the hem of his garment, I shall be made whole. For time reference, I'll not refer to what she was standing on except or, or, or elaborate and go there and read it, except that I'm totally convinced. So I've heard this all my life, um, and I've never heard anybody else preached this exactly this way. They never made the connection as far as I know, but the Holy Spirit made the connection for me because she had an issue of blood. You look at a lot of the rabbinical writers and it could very well be she was nonetheless unclean regardless because of this blood flow. But it's very possible that there was a promiscuous lifestyle in her past that created this disease that caused her reproductive organs to be in this state. So now she's not only unclean, but she's lived a life that the scripture, if this is the case, that the scripture would even call, and this is old King James, but whoredom. All right. So she could easily be stoned. She's unclean. In whatever condition she's in, she's not supposed to be in his presence. Now write this down in your notes. We're not going to turn there, but in, well, I guess we could. We could go up here. Numbers chapter 15, verse 38. See, she didn't have the New Testament. She didn't have her own story to learn from. She was in the midst of creating her story. The only covenant she had was that old covenant. And this is the covenant. This is what she was standing on. This is what gave her the faith. She heard that all you had to do was touch, the, touch his clothes and be healed. And instantaneously, because she was Jewish, she remembered something. That in the covenant, it said, speak to the children of Israel and bid them that they make fringes in the borders of their garments throughout their generations, that they put upon the fringe of borders a ribbon of blue. Why? It shall be to you for a fringe. Now look, that you may look upon it and remember all the commandments of the Lord and do them. And seek not your own heart and your own eyes after which you used to go a whoring. Now he's walking along and he's got this talit on this prayer shawl that has this ribbon on it. And based on the covenant, that hem or that ribbon represented the entirety of of all of the blood-bought commandments of God. 
So she, when she touched that with her face, she touched, she touched the entirety of the covenant. She touched that covenant. And that's what she was touching. She went up there and said, because if I can look at that, if I can get where I can see that and touch that, based upon this verse, it doesn't matter if my life was a past of whoredom, I'll instantly be healed. Now, I want to back up because I'm getting to a point, a very specific point. Back up to verse 38. Notice what it says. Speak to the children that they put on that fringe. Now scroll down to the next uh, part of that. I blew and then now, yeah, the first part of that verse, right? It shall be to you for a fringe. Now look, this phrase, that you may look upon it. Now you have to understand, she's meditating in her home inside herself. She's heard stories about all you got to do is touch him and everybody that touches made whole. She's heard stories about this Messiah. Yes. And it says when she had heard of Jesus, yes. she came in the press behind. Yes. So she heard that that anointing was in him yes. and that's all you had to do. And she started saying within herself over and over, if I can just touch that him, if I can just touch that him, it doesn't matter my own actions, what's made me unclean, the condition of my life, she began to, here's the point, she began to see herself well. She began to see herself able to do this. Now, in Mark's gospel, when she touched it, here's what happened. He turned around and looked to see her that had done this thing, right? There's no indication that this was a working of miracles or gifts of the Spirit on his part. He didn't discern she was in the crowd. He was on his way to raise Jairus' daughter from the dead. He felt that power flow out of him. And when he, she came fearing and trembling and fell down, it says she knew immediately the issue of blood was stanched in her body. He knew power went out of him. She knew power went into her. That's Mark 5. She knew immediately she was healed. And when he looked around to find her, she fell down. So she was already shaking under the power, but when she got closer to that anointing, she just collapsed, just like people do when we're praying for the sick. And she got in his presence, and she fell down in his presence and began to say, told him everything that had gone on, and then she was instantly healed. He said, daughter, thy faith, now here's the key phrase, hath made you whole, has saved you. Go in peace, be whole of your plague. Do you see this? She was healed in all three areas of her being. She was cleansed from the sin that caused it. Her, her social status and her own mind and the way she saw herself was instantly healed. She was brought back to peace as if she was totally restored. She's not this person anymore. And then her body got healed. Her body's going to be free of the consequences of her past life. Glory be to God. Do you see this? Now, here's the point the Lord wanted me to make for you. Do you believe that Jesus had in him more than just faith to heal? Was he anointed to heal? Well, of course he was because that's why power went out of him. He said when he went to his hometown, the Spirit of the Lord God's upon me. He hath anointed me. He hath anointed me to preach the gospel of the poor. He hath sent me to heal. So there's a healing anointing. There's power to heal. We've already proven it. That power to heal was on him. But now notice, this wasn't the gifts of the Spirit in operation. And here's the point the Lord wanted me to connect for you. 
People have separated the two. Are you hearing me? And they've waited for maybe a word of wisdom or something or, or a call or a meeting or when there's really power. The gifts are in operation, the miracles are in operation, or they've been over here just trying to believe God, using their faith and trying to believe God, and they've never understood that the systems are designed to be integrated. That the purpose of you using your faith, it's not your faith that gets you healed. It's the power. Faith in the power. And the reason people don't get more manifestation is they have faith in the wisdom of men. They don't have faith in the power. And if you could understand how it integrates, when you believe, the power starts coming towards you. So even though in this case, her healing wasn't initiated by God in the gifts, the gift was there. Come on now. The gift is in him and on him. And when she used her faith, it set his gift into operation. That's what the Lord wants you to see, is if you'll start believing God, the gifts are going to operation. He wants you to see the connection in the systems. Too many people are trying to faith it in, and they don't get that the purpose of faith is to activate the power. So the two things you see that create manifestation are the degree of the anointing administered and the degree of faith to put that anointing in operation or to receive that. So now what can happen is I might can pray and the Lord show me some things and I can come into a room and the working of miracles can go into action. It's happened many times. I've had this happen many times by word of knowledge and creative miracles because you pray over into a place and God will, listen to me, this is so critically important for you to understand. God wills to heal. He wants to heal. Sometimes I think he wants to heal so, this is why if you, if you look at the scripture, he didn't just provide one way. You can be healed through the word. You can be healed by the prayer of agreement. You can be healed by a prayer cloth. You can be healed by the laying on of hands. You can be healed at the communion table. You can be healed at the gifts of the Spirit. I mean, I can go on and on. You can be healed by the laying on of hands of the elders and anointing with oil. He's provided so many different ways to get healed because the method is not nearly as important to him as the result. He wants you healed, and not everybody can readily connect with every way. Some people's faith isn't where they can just get it in the Word. So they need the laying on of hands because they have an element they need that physical touch. And they just need to be honest with themselves and not feel guilty about that and realize that it's not whether hands are laid on you or you just got it by word of knowledge. It's about I want to be healed. He wants me healed. And whatever it takes to get there, let's go. We want you healed. And however you can connect with that power in a biblical way, we want it all available. Amen. 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 So he wills people to be healed. And I'm totally convinced now because I know him well enough to know he's predisposed just to start a healing ruckus on his own. He'll heal somebody that doesn't even have faith for it just to make everybody else see it and start believing. 
just so he can get in there and do what he wants to do. I'm just convinced of it. I've had him do it in meeting after meeting where he'll give me a word of knowledge. We had a, now I'm thinking of one right now where uh, I said, and I just turned like this, I said, somebody's right shoulder, your, your, shoulder, your rotator cuff was torn and it's been healed right now in Jesus' name. It would happen to be a pastor of a church. And next thing you know, it, oh! And he looked at, Brother J.D. Sosby was in that meeting. He said, oh, 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 J.D., look at this, look at this. He said, oh, I, 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 he said, I still can't, he said, I can't believe it. And he went, he realized what he had said. So it wasn't his faith that got him healed. Because he didn't have money for the operation. He's a pastor. He didn't have money for the operation. He'd been sleeping on one side for over a year, year and a half, because it hurt too bad on that shoulder to sleep. Couldn't even raise his arm. And God recreated his rotator cuff just because he loved him. And he was a pastor and couldn't believe for it. And I've had so many people say, oh, oh, I can't believe it. It just happened in this meeting in Naples. There was a guy with Eddie James' team that was in the back. I went back in the back. <clears throat> a friend of mine got a witness there. I went back in the back, and his back had been hurting him severely. And he's sitting there watching the monitor, but he's all nervous about it because if he leaves his post, he's going to get in trouble because that's his post. You know, he got to be there for the team. He's behind the scenes. And I just walked up to him, and, and I, anyway, I'm going to make, it's not a long story, but I mean, I just put my hand, one on his back. I said, no, you don't even have to get out of the chair. I said, let's just get this dealt with. And I used that name, we, you know, I prayed over in that. He said, he started doing like this. He said, seriously? It's gone. It's gone. It's gone. He said, I feel like running. I said, come on, let's run. He said, I can't. I get in trouble. I said, I promise, I'll talk to Brother Eddie for you. It'll be all right. Come on, let's run. <laughs> I finally got him up. I finally convinced him to get up out of the chair, took him. And I'm telling you, I'm, I'm like wondering how come I'm having to drag him. Am I right, John Taylor? And this is what happened. I'm having to drag him in front of the sacred. Brother Eddie's up there ministering, and he's also worried about Brother Eddie. He's been healed, but he can't even run for excitement because he's going, he's He's like, I'm going to get in trouble. I got halfway around the room, and I finally got him to catch up. I said, what's wrong with you? Your legs need healing too? <laughs> he didn't get that on his faith. So understand every gift, not just healing, every grace gift is a love gift. If you could get a revelation of how much God loves you, it'd be easy to believe for healing. Let me try that one over here. I didn't get the kind of response I should have gotten. If you can get a revelation of how much God loves you, it's easy to believe for healing. He's not trying to keep it from you. He's trying to get it to you. He's trying to get you out of yourself. I did this, and I just can't believe it, and I don't know why my faith's not strong enough, and how come it's been so long? And if you just get off of the mental gymnastic swing set and just engage your faith in the covenant, it will activate the power coming towards you. Glory be to God. Glory be to God. Now, I'm not done just because I closed my Bible. I just happened to preach out of my heart. You need your Bible open. All right, I'm just making sure. Because, you know, somebody sees the zipper closed, and I mean, everybody just shuts down. 
<laughs> the healer's in the house. Now remember, I'm feeding your faith. You've already received it. Power's in the room. You received that power. It's working in your body right now. Let's just thank him for it right now. Thank you, Lord, for healing me in service today. Thank you, Lord, that you walked right into the, right into the room today. Thank you, Jesus. Glory to God. I'm so grateful to be healed. Just tell him, I'm so grateful to be healed. Oh, I don't know what took me so long to resist this and receive it, but Lord, I resisted and I received it today. I am so grateful. Every body part in my being is coming alive. Whoa! All right. Now, this is what I'm going to finish with, and it'll be just a matter of moments. I need you to stay with me. This is I'm getting to now the foundation of really all faith for healing. And you need to know two things. Number one, you need to know that in order to receive your healing, one of the number one ingredients, one of the first steps you're going to have to take is learning how, and I'm talking about revelation, not just natural mind learning, how to see yourself well. You've got to stop talking about yourself like you are. Now, there's two scriptures I want to put together. First one is Proverbs 29, 18. And I want you to see something here, very, very critically important. Where there is no vision, what happens? The people perish, but he that keepeth the law, happy is he. I want you to look at this now in the Amplified Classic. Well, there's no vision. Now, here's the key phrase. No redemptive revelation of God. So we're not talking about you seeing an angel somewhere. We're talking about revelation means to take the lid off where you can see. That means a revelation to see it as God sees it, to see yourself as God sees you. And if you cannot see God's vision of you, then what he wants for you is going to perish. And the way that you start seeing yourself differently is to get a revelation of that. Are you with me? Now, God's not willing that any should perish. So he'll get that to you if you let it. There's so many scriptures going off in me today that I'm not going to chase that rabbit. But the scripture says the scriptures of no private interpretation. And that we would do well to take heed till the day star rises in our heart. There'll come a moment when you meditate on healing scriptures that'll dawn on you. I'm already well. Amen. You start, it'll just one day be like somebody flips a switch. All the while it's working. It's kind of like planting a seed and it's in the unseen for a long time. And then you go out one day and whoop, it's come out of the ground and there's a blade. And that's what's happening. Now Hosea 4, 6 says, my people perish for a lack of knowledge. According to Proverbs 29, 18, what kind of knowledge? Revelation knowledge. There are a lot of people that know scriptures, can quote them, and never really receive any power. We're not talking about head knowledge of chapter and verse of quoting the Bible. We're talking about a revelation of the word of the living God. So let me show you what I'm talking about here, Proverbs 
King James, look at this. This is critically important. My son, attend to my words. Incline thine ears unto my sayings. You see this? You do realize what happens to a person when they meditate the word. It's no longer a promise. It's no longer a scripture. It becomes a saying. You meditate the word long enough, it's going to come up in your mouth. Do you see this? My son, attend to my words. Incline your ear unto my sayings. Next verse. Let them not depart from thine eyes. Keep them in the midst of thine heart. This is the pathway to healing. I said this is the pathway to healing. Now look at this. When a person... Well, I'll just use Sherry as an example. When she went to the doctor, it was stage four ovarian cancer. She could have just as easily seen her, said, well, how long do you think? She could have asked, the first question she could have asked without proper revelation was, how long do I have? She would have made the doctor her prophet at that point. Okay? But instead, she had been taught the word. So she calls me, and knowing first words win, and said, Pastor, I need you to laugh with me. Ha, 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 ha. Ha, 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 ha. Best you can do is try to take this body out when you've already had the keys stripped from you, devil. Are you kidding me? Send me to heaven early where I'm going anyway? Are you kidding me? Ha, 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 ha. sewed up with cancer inside of the size of a deck of cards because they couldn't get it all because it was all messed up in there with organs and they were gummy and couldn't. They order. I didn't even know that. Now, so you either, now here's the thing. Here's what most people do. Most people, because, you know, Especially when you're young as Sherry was, husband wants his wife, children want their mama, pastor wants a church member, pastor and his wife want, you know, right? So you start saying what, especially if you come to church like this, you start saying what everybody wants to hear. Question is, it's not what you know. Have you kept it in the midst of your heart? See, we're not talking about these eyes. We're talking about the eyes of your heart. Inside yourself, do you see yourself well? Are you with me now? Do you see this? Because she could have played the game, said what we wanted to hear, and while she's laying up there in the hospital hurting, imagine, imagining daisies growing up on her grave in the spring. Then she's seeing herself dead, not alive. Are you with me? Inside yourself, you got to do what that one with issue of blood did. You got to flip the switch. And meditate on it and say it inside yourself to the point to where inside yourself, it's just like it almost pulls you off the bed out in the crowd climbing through touching the hem of his garment. She had seen herself touching the hem of his garment so many times that when she heard the commotion and the noise and found out he was coming through town, 
She just got them acted out what she had already seen. I mean, I've never failed to see one person in a meeting when I'm preaching that really truly believes that Jesus has manifested himself to me, put me in this office, and granted this anointing in our life. That if they're standing in front of me, I'm telling you, you can see faith. I'm going to make this statement before I close. Faith can be seen. I learned that. One of the first times I learned it was when I was a young preacher. We were in Johnson Center. And uh, there was ICBM. It was a group of ministers and whatever. Brother Oral was alive at that time, and he was up there preaching, and that anointing was electric. And, that, and he was on one side of the stage, and they brought a man up in a wheelchair. And I still remember he was kind of grayish-haired and an older African-American gentleman, and he was brought up in a wheelchair. And all of a sudden, he came out of that chair. And I'm talking about he could walk some, but he was coming to get, I mean, I'm getting my healing. It was one of those, you could see it. You remember this, don't you? He began to, it looked like he was running, but he couldn't walk. His legs wouldn't hold him. They brought him up in a wheelchair. He's under a wheelchair. He comes out and he starts going like this, starts going like this, and he gets off balance, and it's like he's running like this. Like this. And Brother Oral sees him coming, and he's going to hit him and knock him down. So he just kind of steps out of the way, and he got in the presence of that, and he goes, what, man? He face-planted on, face on that stage in front of 3,000 preachers. And he got up every whit hole. Because what we saw was faith in operation. And it's what Jesus saw in that house when they tore the roof off. It says so. When he saw their faith. I saw some faith in here this morning. That's what the Lord's after. He's after what happened this morning. He's after folks that believe this enough. They'll act on it. And they don't care what you think. It don't matter to me if so-and-so's watching. All oh, that bunch of crazy people, they running around. What they running around for? They tell them miracles have passed away. Maybe for you, but they're passing my way. If they pass them. They might have passed away from you, but that means they're passing toward me. Woo! Hey, 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 hey. Woo. Go and stand on your feet and get the worship team back up here. Here's what I see. You see it now. You see it now. Seeing says, I'm seeing myself well. Hey, in my heart, I see everybody part functioning. Glory be to God. If you can't do a treadmill, see yourself on a treadmill. If you can't do an elliptical, see yourself on an elliptical. If you, if you, can't, if you can't lift a weight because the rotator cuff's torn, see yourself lifting weights with no pain. See, huh? If you can't get on a stirrup and ride a horse because your lower back's hurting you, see yourself riding that horse. Put a picture of it on your fridge. Start seeing it in your heart. God still has parts. He's still a creator. I'm telling you, I'm totally convinced of this, and I don't mean this crude. I don't know why that this comes up in me. I've never said this or anything like it out loud, but this has zero in my mind, zero natural, sensual anything. I'm telling you, God is El Shaddai. He's the all-breasty one. And I am totally convinced that, that here within this decade, I mean very soon in the front part of it, We've seen body parts come and a lot of things, but I'm telling you, I know that I know that I know by the Spirit of God, we're going to see chromosomal situations. Yes, sir, 
abnormal minds and hydrocephalic heads and I'm telling you, glory be to God, we're about to see people unfold and become normal right before our eyes. And I'm telling you, body parts are coming back. And the Lord's telling me by the Spirit, those that have been disfigured by surgery are going to start getting some body parts back. I believe people, young women that have had hysterectomies, they'll get all their organs back. I believe those that have had mastectomies are going to get all of their function back in their chest area. I'm seeing it by the Spirit. Glory be to God. Oh, glory be to God. Oh, glory be to God. It won't surprise me if somebody bald in the meeting gets some hair. You may not even want any. But you're getting some. Glory be to God. 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 Now the foundation of all healing, I just decided instead of giving you the scriptures, we'll pick back up with it at the appropriate time because I want you to see it with your eyes and we are in the spirit of faith right now. We need to capitalize on this. So let me just say this by the Spirit. 1 Peter 2, 24, I really felt so strong. Man, that's that power. Glory to God. You know, when, I, when the power operates like this, my, my default, because this is the primary way people have had to have it over the years other than on the crusade field, I almost start laying hands on folk. And, I, and I'm working myself out of that habit because early on, all throughout our life in ministry, the number one way the greatest creative miracles came was when we prayed in Mass. Jesus gets the glory. It's not about a man touching you. The power's in the room. The glorious one is here. The name is here. He's stretching forth his hand by the name. Hallelujah. He wants you to receive it and not just through a man that's anointed. There is a man that's anointed. Jesus, the head of the church, and he is here. Glory be to God. Oh, thank God for that name. You're being healed right now. Now, here is the cornerstone of all healing. Now, many people will say it's knowing that God wills to heal. It is. It is. I get that. Because without a revelation that God wills to heal you and he wills to heal everyone, your faith really won't work in fully persuaded fashion. So I understand that. And that is one of the major pillars of a revelation on healing. But to me, if you can make this connection, it'll solve everything. Who his own self, look now, bear our sins in his own body on the tree, being dead to sins, we should live unto righteousness by whose stripes ye were healed. You need to see the same price was paid for your healing that was paid for you to be forgiven. You need to know that it's as easy to be healed as it is to be forgiven. You need to know that, it, that, that because he paid the same price, it's as important to God that you be healed as it is you be forgiven. Now, that right there is the key phrase that makes religious cows go, but I'm telling you, by the Holy Ghost, the worth of something is measured by the price paid for it. And he paid the same price for your body to be healed as your sins to be forgiven. And Jesus said, what's easier, 
To say, son, thy sins be forgiven thee? Or to say, rise, take up your bed and walk? So that you may know the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins. I say to the man sick, rise and walk. You need to know that the healing of your body is as inclusive in the covenant as the forgiveness of your sins. Which means he's not willing that any should perish. He doesn't want anybody to die and go to hell from sin. Well, guess what else? He doesn't want anybody to die from sickness and disease. He shed the same blood, paid the same price, the same power is here, and it's all inclusive for all people, for all time. It belongs to you. And if you can ever get that settled, then it settles several things, but at least these top two. It settles my responsibility to preach it. You do realize I'm as responsible to preach, according to the gospel, the healing of your body as I am the forgiveness of your sins. Yes, sir. That's true. And that's one of the things the Lord talked to me about this morning. He said, the reason, part of the reason your people are sick is it's partly your fault. He said, you just thought they would get it because you got it and you allude to it and they see it in operation and you preach it and you preach faith. He said, you got to teach them about the covenant of healing. You got to get their faith established. It dawns on me that very few people take their Bible and do anything I say. So if all you get is here, I guess I'm going to have to teach you here. I pray that you'll get enough here that you'll go establishing yourself. It may take 100 days of healing to do it. We're going to get this done. We need our body healthy. I said we need our body healthy. So number one, this settles my responsibility to preach it. And number two, it settles your responsibility to resist it on the same level you would resist sin. It, sickness is as much God's enemy as sin. And since he paid the same price and he rose to defeat it and it is God's enemy, it's the devil's doing, then you should resist sickness as you're supposed to resist the devil. You should resist sickness on the same level you should resist sin. It doesn't belong on God's blood-bought body. You are the body of Christ. Last time I checked, when I asked him, Jesus, do you have cancer? He said, no. Jesus, do you have arthritis? He said, no. He said, whoo, good, then I don't have it either. Because I'm the body of Christ. I said, I'm the body of Christ. I said, I'm the body of Christ. What are you? Here's what we got to do. We, we, now put both hands on top of your head. Say, I have received it. And my faith has been built to keep it in Jesus' name. Now, now they're not going to see it. They're going to see my hand. They're going to stay focused on me and the team. But y'all turn around and put your hands toward those cameras. Y'all need to understand while you're looking at me right now, these hands coming at you. Listen to me. Now say this with me because they can hear you. They'll hear you. Say, we've received ours. We reach out to you. In the name of Jesus. Receive yours now. We'll be healed. 